following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Luke 19:28-40 And when he had said these things, he being Jesus, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And we know what's about to... Tra- he knew with, with great detail what's going to transpire in Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and threw And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples for what they're saying. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Father, please add to the understanding of your word, the inspiration we're so desperate for. Lift these uh, precious truths, principles off the pages and on our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, please have a seat. I, um, I want to um, I, I ask you to do something consistently as a student of the word. Um, Whenever, especially when we're in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew is so faithful because he wants to point out the prophetic nature of Christ's ministry and how Jesus came not to just not to abolish the law but to fulfill it. And he always points to, uh, you know, he always brings the prophets, the prophecies to bear upon Jesus's messianic ministry and how he has come to fulfill all of these profound prophecies. And here we have another prophecy that has come to fulfillment. The other thing we need to know is that this is one, you know, as we get towards, I I mentioned this previously, that as we get into the final week, again, this is Sunday. Jesus knows that come Thursday night, he's going to be sharing a last supper, literally with his disciples, and then celebrating the, 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 the Passover and, uh, and then Friday morning, he'll be after a, a painful and arduous uh, night of betrayal and denial and on and on, beard pulled from his face, spit on. He discussed these details, tells them that these things are about to come to pass. He knows he'll be in, in, in early in the morning, he'll be in Pilate's courtyard. And by nine o'clock, he'll be hanging 
on a Roman cross. And, and th- this, is, this is now Sunday. That's, that's coming. And I want you to imagine Jesus is fully aware of everything that's in front of him to the detail. You could, can you imagine, you know, I talk, I, I, it's part of why I feel a little overwhelmed this morning and a little emotional because, like, this is where Jesus is at here. Like, and, you know, one of the things we find is, and, and it's, not, it's not in the, the Gospel of Luke, but again, I mentioned this triumphal entry is in all four Gospels. And one of the things we, we, we discover in the Gospel of John is right before this, days before this, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead in Bethany. Okay, so that has caused a large amount of excitement. Um, and many of those that are proclaiming him, Hosanna in the highest, the king of Israel's here, is, are those that have seen, you know, Lazarus, coming back to life. They have experienced, you know, uh, they saw Bartimaeus receive his sight back and, uh, and they are convinced and they are moving and excited. Uh, but, but many of them have a, an expectation as Jesus mentions, uh, you know, in, in verse 11, before he shares the parable that we just went over the last couple of weeks, the parable of the mina, like he says that, I know you have an expectation that the kingdom's coming immediately. And that's not how it's going to happen. Like, I'm going to go back to the Father and I'm going to offer myself to, to the, for the sins of the world and, and then I'm going to be exalted as, as Philippians 2 says and, and be given the name that's above every name that, every, that, 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 that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord, King of kings, Lord of lords and, 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 but then I will come back. And... Uh, and we know sitting here today that that, that timeline is, seems, seems long, but, but we also know that the why, because God's desire is that none should perish. And, uh, and so, um, they, but they have, we have to understand in the midst of this moment, they have this deep hunger, which is totally understandable to be delivered from the oppression of Rome. And it's significant. And it's, it's been enduring and, and they're over it. And Passover is the, you know, you've got pilgrims coming to Jerusalem from all over the Roman Empire. And here's Jesus marching in from Jericho, coming, coming you know, through Bethphage and into Bethany and then over the Mount of Olives. And he is, he's going to be marching right into Jerusalem. And, uh, and, and the entourage will grow and the, and the, the questions will mount. And, uh, and y- you know, what's, what's, what's really compelling in all of this, and it's just, it's, it moves my heart, is that here in this last week and days is where we see Jesus crying. Like he weps. He, he weeps in, 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 in the moment with Lazarus and it's not because Lazarus died because he knows he's bringing him back. He's already told him that that's what's going to be the outcome. But he's weeping because of the consequence of sin on humanity. It just breaks his heart. And, and, and this is why his heart has moved him to this moment. And, and then here on the other side of these folks giving him, you, you know, the accolades that he is due and, and others having questions. You know, there's people literally asking when he comes into Jerusalem here, who's that? They, they don't even know. And, um, and what does he do? The next verse after what I've just read for us, 
the very next verse tells us that Jesus wept. Like this whole moment of parade and accolade results in Jesus' heart being so broken that he weeps. Why? Why is he so saddened by this moment? And, you know, it's pretty obvious that he's looking at these hearts and it's, it's saddening to him. It's saddening what's, what's going on in each of these hearts in this circumstance. And so I want to read for you Zechariah 9.9. This is the origin of uh, this prophecy that Israel has had such a hunger for. Um, keep in mind the, the prophet uh, Zechariah, uh, the letter is, uh, is speaking to a nation that has really kind of turned their back on God. And again, it's another prophetic message to say, like, look, there, there are consequences for disobedience. But in the midst of this letter, there is this beautiful, you know, I talk about it as like an oasis in the desert. There's this beautiful moment where, you know, the prophet declares as the, as the mouthpiece of God, these beautiful words, and this is what he says in Zechariah 9. And, and what I was saying earlier uh, and didn't finish is whenever there's a pro- prophetic utterance in the New Testament, always go back. Always, 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 always go back and find the origin of that because there is, there's a nuance that often is not present because the, the, through, through the age of, of just, it, it, it's lost some, maybe something along the way or there's, a, there's an element here that you need to understand that's, not, that's understood by the Jewish culture that we don't understand. That, so we've got to dive back into that to, to be educated on the benefits that it brings upon the moment. And, and here there is no exception. And I hope that makes sense. What I'm saying is, is that go back and read the prophecies that are always referenced in Jesus' ministry. And here it's Zechariah 9.9. And listen to what it says. Rejoice greatly. O daughter of Zion, the Jewish nation, uh, the, the, the people of Judah, shout aloud, O daughters of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you and hear this, righteous and having salvation is he. What's interesting is that little moment in the prophetic statement is not present in any of the gospels, in any of what the people say. I'm, I'm, what I'm not saying is, is that the scripture isn't authentic to itself. What I'm saying is the people weren't in what they were saying in, in regurgitating the, per, the prophetic nature of what was stated in Isaiah or Zechariah 9, 9, they, they omitted this part. This part was, didn't endure through their, their, their remembrance of the promise. And can you tell me just for a moment here, like how, how, how important is it righteousness and having salvation is he? Like, th- that's not in any of their accolades, any of their proclamation, right? And um, it goes on to say, humble and mounted on a donkey, uh, on a colt, the fold of a donkey. And Jesus walks in, orchestrates 
all of God's providence to perfection fulfills yet another prophetic nature related to his messiahship and mission and he and he comes into Jerusalem riding on a fold of a donkey as their long-awaited king righteous having salvation right and uh, and there is there is there's a, a litany of responses that we see here so Jesus was fulfilling all the prophecies i mean all of them Arguably, there's over 330 prophecies that Jesus, and I'm, I'm talking, you know, easy things like born of a virgin, stuff like that. Like, you know, just, but all, I mean, we even see all the detail of the cross and, uh, and all the things leading up, all the messianic movements in Jesus' life and ministry are realized, like miraculously realized in him. And it just leaves us bewildered that, that, that the Pharisees, the ones that know this, could be so naive to, to his presence. And yet, we, we know that oftentimes when, when we have a desire that isn't shared by, like we can, we can, can we kind of impose our will upon the scriptures? Do you know what I'm saying? Like we, when, we, when we impose our will upon the scriptures, oftentimes it says what we want it to say rather than what he's saying. And we, and we have to, you know, what does it mean to be under the reign of Christ? And under, it's like it's, it's receiving and welcoming and, and celebrating his will over ours, knowing that he's so much better that his heart, he is so good. He's so kind and so faithful and that we could not possibly understand like the wonder of what he's doing, that we, we have just got to surrender and, and walk it out, trusting in him, uh, even without, as we'll see in this text, without, um, without clarity. Many were still blind to his presence. Why? They imposed their will on God's word, as I mentioned. They rejected his reign. They despised his humility. This is, this is not who we want our God to be. He's from Nazareth. You know, like, he, he doesn't have a, you know, he's not fitting in, in, into any of the categories that we had perceived. And, and so the Pharisees are, are bothered by their, their proclamation that this is their Messiah. They tripped over the cornerstone of the kingdom. Just like, just like prophecy said would happen. Right? So I'll remind you of the first part of this text. 28 to 31 says, And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem, and, and he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, and at the, Mount of Olive, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, Go into the village in front of you, now, I want you to put yourself in this setting for a moment. Okay, I know it's been three plus years and they've had ample experience to know that when he says do something, like, let's not question that. Let's just, <laughs> but can you imagine like you're being told to go into a, a village and that in that village there's going to be a, a, a donkey and her colt and, uh, and you're going to just walk up and just start untying it. You're going to appear as a thief. Right, but 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 that's that's absolutely not the case, and and uh, and someone's going to ask you something, and and do you not get blown away by this moment? Going, 
Jesus knows every detail of our future and how it's all going to unfold. He knows what people are going to say and he has, he, has, he has us to respond according to his word. And like, do you know how known we are and how, how sovereign he is? And he's got, this is all kind of worked out. And, but, but one of the things I love about this moment is that these disciples, they go. They go. He, he tells them, go do this. This is what's going to happen. This will transpire. And when the owner or the person asks you, you know, he says, the Lord has need of it. And, uh, and, and there's this understanding that, oh, he's going to be really not just okay with it. He's going to celebrate that. Go, yeah, wow, if the Lord has need of it. Just says a lot about that person, right? And maybe their understanding of the moment, and, but surely their understanding of who he is. But it says, going into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat, untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're untying it, you shall say this, the Lord has need of it. I mean, I, I, I don't want to be overly simplistic, but like, it's like, you know, you know, can you imagine being told, okay, I want you to go into town, I want you to go, you know, over to Largo over here and... Uh, and just get in this car and, uh, and, and bring it to me, right? And, uh, and if anybody asks you, just say that the Lord has need of it, right? So, I mean, but, but I mean, I think sometimes we just read through these things and we don't realize the practical nature and just how beautiful their obedience is. And, and what it is, you know, they, they've, they've come to a place at this point, you know, like less than a week from his, his sacrifice, like, that he, they're just like, okay, let's, let's go with this. And, and, and I love that, you know, Luke, Luke would have, you know, got an eyewitness account. So, of course, we know that one of these two guys was an eyewitness account for Luke because um, I love how this, this, this continues on in just a moment. Um, and and I'll, uh, I'll read that in just a moment. But, but listen here. Jesus had raised Lazarus just uh, Lazarus just recently. So we don't get that in Luke, but we find in John that that's what's transpired in the, in the town of Bethany. So, um, you know, I, I would think that that, that sign, as, it were, as, we're say, as we're told in John, would have had s- like significant impact on their faith and belief, right? So, um, and, and, and he might have been a member of that for sure. Mary had anointed Jesus' feet with with nard or ointment, perfume, the night before this. Okay, so Jesus would have shared a meal with <laughs> a dead man alive, sitting in the seat, you know, with him. And, and by the way, the Pharisees are not excited about Lazarus because he's a walking, breathing sign, testimony of the, the authenticity of Christ's deity, right? And uh, his messiahship. And so... Um, but the night before this, Mary would have offered, don't you love Mary? I mean, Mary just is this, this, this worshiper that always seems to put herself at the feet of Jesus. He, she seems to be like almost the only one that gets it a lot of times. Like just the, the majesty of the moment and the glory of, of Christ and his presence. And she's just so enamored and, and overwhelmed in worship. And she comes and she offers this, this, this perfume that is worth a, a, a year's wage, a talent, 
in there. And she comes and she bathes his feet in this as an act of worship and then wipes it with her hair. And this is, this is a woman of great means. I mean, like she, this is a great statement of humility and worship. She is acknowledging in, in practical terms her love, her adoration. Like, I mean, no one, no one questions her, her love for Christ and her, her, her de- I mean, I, I, everybody is challenged by her, her, wor- her worship. Are, are, are others challenged by your worship? Do you find yourself at his feet just in awe of who he is and what he's done? Blown away by just, just the, who he is. Just who he is. And this, is, this, this has all transpired the night before and now, now we're in this moment, right? I, I love this because one of the things, as I mentioned, Jesus knew every detail of his future and ours. He, he even knows responses and, uh, and can speak into ideal, you know, um, res- response in return. Jesus, all, and, and it's interesting as it says that he rode a colt that had never been sat on, right? A fold of a donkey. Like, do you remember that? That's, uh, it just rung in my ears because he was buried in a tomb that no one had ever been in. As well, like, that just... I was brought to that remembrance. Everyone hoped in Messiah's coming. Like they had this hunger for deliverance. Um, And the owner would have been, I believe the owner would have been thrilled. Because you you couldn't have some awareness that Messiah's on the scene and own a cult and be in the Passover season and Jesus asking for it and not put... uh, some of that together, right? And, uh, and, and feel honored by the opportunity to be a part of the legacy of Messiah and the fruition of prophecy. In Matthew 21, and in, in an echoing portion of this particular event, uh, verse three, it says, if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them. Them, because it, it was a donkey and her colt. And he will send them at once. You see the, you see the urgency. You see the, the obedience. You see the, the joy in it. Um, and Jesus helps to guide that moment. In verse 19, 32 to 34, the text continues. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. I love that in the text. I love that because as, as, the, uh, as the witness is sharing with Luke and Luke under the tutelage or the direction of the Holy Spirit is, is putting pen to paper, like I love that you get a sense that the, the testimony is, and it was just like he said. Don't you, like that's what I hear the text saying, like it was just like he said it would be. And man, what does that say about just how good and sovereign and truth-filled and, and faithful he is? Like, he won't lead us astray. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. Do you think the disciples were still amazed? You know, at this point, 
I know, I just think about these things as I put myself in the setting, like, do you think they were still like, wow? Or do you think they were like, yeah, that's just like him. You know, just unpacking it to perfection before we even get there. You know, like knowing it all, like that's, and, uh, you know, or, or was there some degree of just, you know, deep faith at this point to just know, like, because they move without question here and, and they know that it's going to be just, just the way he stated. Like, that's such, that's, you know, and we have, we have, we have a better posture, we have a better, like, we have hindsight, we have the Holy Spirit, we have such a legacy of, of his faithfulness. Do you know what I mean? Like, when he, when he says to us he's going to do something, what should we, where should our hearts be? Like, sure he's going to do it, of course he's going to do it. And it changes the way that we move in those moments. We, we don't just move, we don't move with intrepidation, we move with urgency, we move with, with anticipation and excitement, knowing that his word will never return void. And it always accomplishes the purpose for which it is sent. Like, and I love, I love their movement here. This moment could have looked like they were thieves, right? Um, like I mentioned. And are you willing to be obedient when asked? To do things that might, you know, cause public, you know, perceptions that, that aren't ideal. <laughs> you know, like in trusting God for the outcome and the result. They moved and responded in faith. And the question would be, do you trust that God knows? That he knows. He knows your heart. He knows what's in front of you. Like, isn't it better to trust him than to trust ourselves? I don't know. I don't know. And, and sometimes that can cause, anybody struggle with anxiety or worry? Anybody? Like, like and, and why would we be told, be anxious for nothing? Why would we be told, do not worry? Like, why would Jesus, and why would Scripture call us to this posture? Because because that's the posture of faith that, that, that puts this, this, it's a statement when we don't, you know, and, and, and look, that's a journey, isn't it? It's that, but, but we know that through prayer and thanksgiving, you know, we can, we can have this, this attitude of, uh, man, God, you're good and you're faithful and you're here. You're with me. You love me. You know, like, I love that. He knows. And, He knows. Verse 35 and 36. And they brought it to Jesus, meaning the colt and the donk, and throwing their coats on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. Now, this is the moment where this whole scene really lights up. Okay, so... You know, one of the things I enjoy doing in preparation for sermons is I, I, I look at a word. I'm like, well, what's going on here? Why, why this? I mean, when's the last time you threw your cloak down and let someone sit on it or, or ride over it? Right? That's not something that's, that's native to our culture. And so why? Why, why? why that? And so I looked back and there was a King Jehu in, the, in, in Jerusalem. And, and the moment that they are about to pronounce him king, they all throw their cloaks on the steps and, and seat him on, on, on top of their cloaks. Well, that helps. Because do you know what's going on here? Is... Look, it would be kind of weird if, they, if everybody jumped under the, the, the uh, jumped on the cult and let Jesus sit on them, all of them. That, that might not be, that'd be a painful experience to the cult, right? But, but they could throw them on the ground and, 
and he could walk over them. Do you see, you see what's happening here? The, when they threw their clo- cloaks, when, when someone sits on top of your cloak, it's a statement that I am putting myself under you. I'm putting myself under your authority, your reign. Do you see it? Like they, they laid their cloaks acknowledging his, his royalty. And they threw it on them because like that's, it, they, they took themselves out, but, but in, in actuality what they were saying is I'm putting myself under you. Do you see that? And that's, th- th- they're declaring him king, but they're doing it in a very practical way. You know, how, how might we do that today? To demonstrate to the world like, Jesus is my king. And the challenge is, is we put our lives under his, his reign. We put every, every, you know, and their cloak, like, it's not like our, we, we, you might have six coats, right? But, but in, you know, we understood that cloaks were probably, if you had two, then you were wealthy, right? And they, they were used to kind of, to, to, as security deposits and we're told to give them back before night because they'll need it to, as a blanket. Like, it, do you see what's being said? You're my security. You're my hope. You're my king. I'm putting myself under you. And um, so here we see in, in the Matthew account in verse 21, uh, chapter 21, verse 8, it says, Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Right? This was a, this was a, a, a declaration of peace. Um, it was, I believe, uh, so much more to this than we can even, but this is the origin of Palm Sunday. Right? But somehow, how did the cloaks get missed in this? that has such a bigger significance of, of the moment and his, his royalty, his presence. Have you put yourself under the king of kings? Have you? Have you surrendered to his love and to his leadership and to, to his divine care? I mean, like he has he's offered this to humanity, to the world, but he's not forced it upon anyone. It's an invitation into his care and his provision and his power and to his, more importantly, his presence. And, um, and, and, and I love this kind of, this, this, uh, this expression of worship and this expression of surrender and acknowledgement of who he is. Our last three or four verses start in verse 37 and it says this, and, and he was drawing near, or as he was drawing near, Already on the way down the Mount of Olives and drawing near to what? To Jerusalem, right? It says the whole multitude, and this goes well beyond the 12. These are now all those that are following him. You know, the multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice uh, for all the mighty works that they had seen. You know, most recently, Lazarus (laughs) raised from the dead. You know, this is the group, group from Bethany and saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven. Isn't that interesting? Like that is the source of peace. Like Romans 5.1 tells us that what Jesus did is he made peace with God for us, with us. 
and that now we have, through the Holy Spirit, the peace of God, to be agents of peace, to be instruments of peace. You know, at the tail end of this, where Jesus weeps in verse 41 and then tells them, because you have rejected me as your king, that in, in, we know 40 years later, Israel, Jerusalem specifically, would fall. The temple would be crumbled and over 600,000 Jews would lose their life to the Roman Empire in AD 70. And he says, because you have, you have missed this moment, this is what's going to transpire because you won't be agents of peace. You will walk in conflict. Can I share something with you? The Lord laid on my, woke me up long before four o'clock this morning and poured this on my heart. And it, it brings emotion because it's so, it's so faithful to the text. You know, um, on the other side of the garden, we have, um, we, we, we have, with the knowledge of good and evil, you know, wrapped around these callous hearts, um, we, have, we have a desire to be in control of our lives. We, we want to run the show. In fact, sometimes we want to run everybody else's show too, right? And, uh, and we, have a, we have a hard time with, with, with surrendering, right? It seems, in our vocabulary, in our semantics, it sounds like losing. And Jesus says, this is where winning starts. Right? If you, if you try to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. And Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ that I, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so we have this, we have this strong desire and appetite. I and mean, we see it in the microcosm of the home, right? Right? Husbands given... This, this incredible opportunity to be servant leaders in their homes, divinely appointed by God to lead their homes like Christ did, was servant leaders for the benefit and the beauty of, their, of those that they would lead. And that's distorted based on just wanting to have control. And then, you know, wives, we're told in, 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 in chapter 3 of Genesis, will have an innate sinful desire to usurp their husbands, to, be, to control him. And we see that going on, right? And, and guys kind of falling back and, and it's breaking down the whole beautiful paradigm that God has established, you know, for the health of the home, which is the, which is the microcosm of, of, of community. And then children come into this world and do, do they want to have their way? Anybody? Right? And, and they... They want to usurp mom and, and dad and anybody else, you know. And, and then there, so there's this fight for control, right? And, and when, a, when a home lives under the authority of God's word and the sovereignty of Christ and, and its, its appointed leaders, you know, are, are understand humility and, and that, you know, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And when, when, when women understand that submission is not something that is evil, but it's something that is biblical and God will do great things when we're willing to trust him and obey. And, uh, and, and, and that, all that does is fuel the fire of a godly husband. And when children understand that it is God's desire that you obey your parents, you know, and that this is honorable in the Lord, and, and when, that is, when that is embraced, you know, a family can thrive in that environment and all of that under the, 
the sovereign, gracious, kind, loving rule of King Jesus. But, but here's the problem. We, we all want our way. Right? What does James say? James, James says this, What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not the evil desires, your own desires, that are, that are at war within you? you? You want what you want, but you don't get it. And so you kill. Like, I mean, that seems so drastic, but that's, that, that, that's the fruition of it. We see war. We see all this sadness. And, and where does it come from? It's, it's me wanting me. Me wanting my way and not being willing to put my coat, my life, under the, the reign of King Jesus and trust him and do it his way. And love when we're hated and blessed when we're cursed. And love and pray for our enemies like Jesus did. And, and give when, we, when we've been taken from. I mean, like, Jesus didn't come to conquer Rome. He didn't even speak ill of it. I mean, there's probably plenty of room there, but, but what he came was to conquer the human heart, right? To rescue the heart from its broken, separated state so that it could experience the, the loving rain, the, the, the life-giving rain of God himself and bring us back home to the, to the joy and the peace and the comfort and the hope of, of living under that reign. Now, is, you know, is for those that live in that reign now and experienced, have experienced the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit and, and the kingdom has come in our midst and, and we acknowledge King, King Jesus, we know that we're living as, as ambassadors now on foreign ground. Right? And, and it's, it's a tumultuous territory. It's, a, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's resistant to kingdom culture. It's very, very different. And we've got to embrace that, that, that objective that we're ambassadors of a totally different kingdom with a different king and culture living in, in foreign territory. But, but Jesus has planted his kingdom in the soil of our hearts. And we are his but we as kingdom kids under the reign of Christ willing to, 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 to submit to all that he, do, he desires and wants, like we, we experience all the benefits of his kingdom and, and, and that will come to even greater fruition at his return. And that's our living hope. So it says here that the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice uh, for all the mighty works that he had, that they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. I mean, this is what, this is how his life began with angelic proclamation to the shepherds. And here it ends. And some of the Pharisees, such a sad reality. These are the spiritual leaders of the nation so blind to his presence. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Jesus, simply calling him teacher, wasn't he so much more? So much more, but that's all they could see. That's all they would give him credit for. They said, teacher, rebuke your disciples. 
what, what, he, what they were saying was, how dare you let them make that proclamation about you? Blasphemy. And yet, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the created, all of creation was, was, came to fruition through him. And he's sitting on a cult right in front of them. And, and, and humanity has the nerve. The ones that were given all of the instructions, all the instructions ahead of time, to say, you're not who we want, what we need. You're not even who you think. You know, this is what they're saying. And he answered, this is what he says, I tell you, if those were silent, if these were silent, speaking the multitude of disciples, the very stones would cry out. Let me tell you what he's saying by that state. He could have used anything in creation, right? He's saying, if, if, if those that were you know, made in my image, the fallen, if, if they can't do it, creation will do it, right? But he specifically uses a, a raw stone. Why? Because their hearts were harder than that. That's because they couldn't see him for who he was. Man, oh, that we would pray, open our eyes, Lord, that we would see you for who you are, know that you are the, you are the epitome of beauty, you define beauty. You are, you're the gift of God. You're the prince of peace. You're the hope of nations. Like He is so worthy of our worship. He's so worthy of our humble service to this glorious king. And yet, sometimes we're just inviting his reign when it's convenient or when it feels good or when it's appropriate or when it fits within our context or will. And that's not how reign works, Right? It's, it's comprehensive. It's, it, it, it's thorough. It's all in. I thought of you, Sarah, on that one. All in from Wednesday night. Right? So like, but he's saying that your, your, if your hearts can't do it, like even, they're so hard. Right? The same crowd, same crowd and king, different responses. Like, sad right? Like he's the king and, and they can't see it. The Pharisees called him teacher. So sad that they didn't know who he was. Not that that was comprehensive because we see Nicodemus. We see Joseph of Arimathea. Thank God many priests became obedient to the faith, but they declared him king and the son of David. I want to I wrap up by, by giving you from, from Matthew and John their account because there's some rich details that we get from, from eyewitnesses. So Matthew was there. John was probably like hunkered up next to him. Like, you know, he loves to be right on his. So like, like he loved him and he knew he was loved. And so, but in Matthew verse 21, chapter 21, 9 to 11, this is how it ends. It says, and the crowd that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David, to the son of David. Our, our coming promised king, the forever king we've always wanted. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, which means the Lord saves. Praise the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole, sturdy, the whole city was stirred up saying, did you see this? Who is this? So we see Pharisees that are denying his deity, calling him blasphemous in, in, in his receiving accolades that are, that, that are probably not even touching how amazing he is, right? And then there's people that have come for 
the upcoming Passover and they don't even know him, right? That are in this, this crowd, you know, who is this? They have to be educated on it. And it says, and the crowd said, this is the prophet, Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Man, like God could be in our midst in, in full array, demonstrating and proclam- you know, fulfilling all prophecy, and yet that's how blind we can be. And is that, is that blindness not enduring into 2023? And, and what do we need to do to be, to be light, to be Christ's presence here and now? I want to be very practical this morning. Jesus has equipped us with his spirit in order for his life and ministry to continue. And that, is, that comes to fruition through the church. The, the empowered body of believers, we're called and equipped and empowered. And you know what the catalyst of that being, being, being vibrant is? Is we, we got to know him. Like the more we know him, the more we acknowledge who he is, the more we take in his beauty, the more the, 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 these moments of surrender are, are obvious. Duh. Like, like, you know, do you know what portion of the crowd you want to be with and be on? Join? I, I want my cloak to be under, I want it to be on the fold. I, I want to. Does, does Jesus deserve our allegiance, our love? our surrender, our obedience. Beloved, to what degree? I mean, like, did he give himself fully to you? How committed was he to your salvation and your rescue? And he's inviting us into this, he's inviting us into not just his home, but his heart. Like, it's so much better than we often think about. Like, it's so beautiful. Like, and then he wants us to join us in this adoption campaign. Like, go tell people that, that I'm adopting and, and, and there's room in my father's house and invite them in. Guys, when's the last time you invited someone to simply come to church? When's the last time that you just invited someone in to a relationship with you so that they might have a relationship with him? Have you, have, you, have you been inviting people in through, through every resource that's been entrusted to you so that they might see whose coat or who's sitting on your coat, cloak, right? The city said, who is this? The crowd said, the prophet, the prophet Jesus? Who do you say he is? And depending on your response to that, you, what's your response to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Is the world seeing, seeing a parade in your life with accolations that are so worthy of, of the one that's, that, that's the lover of your soul and saved your life, not just this life? I mean, what if someone saved your life here? Doctor, person, jumped in, a, a lifeguard. I mean, you'd feel indebted to just, you know, how grateful you would be what about like eternal life what about a forever salvation and rescue and it wasn't just like oh you're welcome uh, let me see who else needs like i love you i've rescued you back to my heart you're you're mine like forever 
Like you're my bride, what Jesus would say to us. God says, now you're my child. And if I treated you this way when you were my enemy, do you know how much I'm going to treat you better? Like, it's so much better. What is, your, what is your declaration? This is what they're doing here. Everybody's making a declaration about Jesus in this, in this picture. What's your declaration of Jesus? What's your proclamation? And you know what? They weren't ashamed. The ones that were ideal. They, I, love, I love blind Bartimaeus, man. He didn't care. I don't care what you think of me. I'm son of David. Have mercy on me. I need to shout it louder. Unashamed. You know, we're told things like, if you're ashamed of me before man, I will be ashamed of you before my head. Like, that's sobering. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to the salvation of all that believe. First to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Isn't that good news, Judah? Praise the Lord. How many would cry crucify from this crowd come Friday morning? How many? That's... That's the fickleness of humanity. And that's the faithfulness of God. Jesus knew that. It it caused him to cry here because he could see their hearts, all of them. And he knew, he said it in the parable that we just read. He said that they will say, I don't want this man to reign over me. He said that before they did it. And he still went to the cross for them. Man, when we come to the table this morning to remember, you know, this glorious God that yet while we were still sinners, Jesus came and demonstrated the Father's own love for us. Like, how grateful should we be? We, don't, we wouldn't even know how grateful to be if it wasn't for what he's done. But now we have, we know, right? How do you respond when Jesus our King doesn't do things in your way or timing? And I think that's a big question in this text. Because there were people that, just like he said in the parable, like you, you're expecting this to, his kingdom to come immediately. That's not how it's going down. And what if, what if things don't go the way you want them to go? Job said this, this is staggering. Though he slay me, yet I will praise him. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord be praised. What about when things don't go your way or they don't happen in the timing that you want them? Do you still, do you still say Hosanna? Do you still worship him and praise him because it's just not happening the way that you determined or desired? Listen how John finishes this text. It adds the understanding of Lazarus being raised from the dead. He says this. Uh, I pick up at, uh, at the proclamations uh, in verse 15 of chapter 12 of John. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. That, that probably defines most of their life with him, right? But when Jesus was glorified, when was that? That's not his resurrection. That's his ascension, right? That's when he is glorified into the Father's presence and then pours out his spirit. And then we see this beautiful statement that is really what the Holy Spirit does, right? Lead us into all truth and remind us of everything that he says. It says, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. 
The, and, and please, I, I, I say this. No one took his life. He gave it. He says, I lay down my life and I take it up again. This, this sacrifice for you was not forced upon him. Rome could never have forced God to do anything. He, he divinely, providentially scripted the whole thing and then walked it out to perfection and obedience to the Father. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. That's what we see in the streets, right? They were so convinced because of the testimony of Lazarus, the, his presence. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. There it is. But did there, here, here's, I know our time is short. Listen, like, does, does your enthusiasm for Christ endure? Endure the, the highs and lows of life? Right? Does, does your conviction about his, his, his kingship, his, you know, like his, his, the fact that he's God, does, does that endure through the moments? You know, I know, and, and please understand there's grace here. I, like, I know that, that sometimes it's, it's hard times can, can cause us, can we, we can experience doubt. Anybody have that moment? Right? Yeah, thank you, Amir. Um, but, but in that moment, do we endure to trust the Lord, to, to know that he's good, to continue to worship him. I believe there's power in praise. I believe there's great power. The next time you feel doubt and discouragement in your walk with the Lord, can I challenge you to do something? Pray, for sure. But can I challenge you to sing and to worship and to praise him? Like, that is one of the most profound statements of faith in that moment, right? And it says, um, the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done the sign of raising Lazarus. So the Pharisees said to one another, now listen to what this says. The Pharisees said, this is what they say to each other in this moment. They feel so defeated by Jesus' power and presence and just, just his movement as a Messiah. Like he, They've tried to contradict him and oppose him at every movement from Galilee to Jerusalem. And this is their statement at this moment. They said, you see that you, they're saying this to each other, are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Like that's, that's the fruition of his, his ministry on earth and yet Jesus knew their hearts were fickle, right? And, but, but, you know, for me, that, that should have been their greatest joy, not sorrow. Like if anybody should have seen, known and realized and celebrated, it should have been them. We have every reason to sing songs of praise, don't we? Don't we have every reason in the world to sing songs of praise, Hear this afresh. This song might be new to you, but it might be, it actually might be one of your anthems. Worship team, if you want to come. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my king, would die for me? I'm forgiven, the lyric continues. I'm forgiven because he was forsaken. I'm accepted you were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is now within me. 
because you died and rose again. This is what our conquering king came to do, was to rescue us from sin and selfishness and to purchase us back to this peaceful, harmonious relationship with our, with our God and king and husband and father. Because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my king, would die for me? It later on says, and I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you. In all I do, I honor you. Like that, that should be the ideal posture of our heart, especially as we come to this moment of communion. If I could ask the, uh, the men to come. And while they're coming, could you, we're going to prepare the table um, for this opportunity for us to remember Christ's sacrifice on our behalf, the very thing he was coming to do in this moment. Um, would you prepare your hearts? First uh, Corinthians 11 says that this is a believer's experience. This is a, a moment of remembrance from something we've experienced in Christ in the past. And we come and we remember, right, the love that was demonstrated, the, the, the debt that was paid in full. And so as we're preparing uh, for, your, for your, your invitation to come, would you prepare your hearts and, uh, and let's, um, let's get ready for this glorious moment. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.